Welcome, friends, down the security rabbit hole into the Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast. This is Raph over yonder, my buddy James. How's it going today, Raph? I am good. I am good. And, folks, I promised you a treat, uh, and I have one for you. Um, I went to the uh, Security Advisor Alliance uh, Summit a couple months back. If you haven't gone, if you're not a member uh, and you want to uh, be in leadership and security, or you are, uh, and you're not, then, then, then you should probably join the Alliance. Um, fantastic group of people, fantastic organization, opportunities for mentorship and kind of giving back to the community and all that. But that advertisement aside, uh, I have their keynote speaker and just a dude that's going to blow your minds, I promise, because mine exploded several times while, uh, while in the room. Uh, Mr. Vin Jang, how are you? Yeah, good. And, and, and mate, you, you've literally just set the bar really high now, Raf. So thanks for that, mate. It's great. <laughs> Dude, you're, you're amazing. <laughs> so uh, the part that we can't do uh, is you are uh, essentially a mentalist uh, when it compared. And it was beautiful watching you just like just get into people's heads. Um, you, did a, you did the whole, uh, you know, I'm going to guess your number. But first, let me ask you a few questions thing. And you're going to go ahead yeah. and pick them the right. You're going to pick the number I tell you to pick. It was, it was brilliant. Oh, it's so fun! It's 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 one of the, it's one of the best areas of magic. If you if you kind of jump into magic as a hobby, mentalism is a great area. Well, I've I've been accused of being mental. I don't think that's the same thing, though. <laughs> Definitely not. <mate. laughs> All right. So uh, your particular area uh, of of expertise tends to be um, was it we're going to call it leadership or uh, influence? I think influence is better than manipulating people, don't you? Yeah, I prefer manipulation. Uh, to be honest, Raf, I think that's <laughs> okay. We're going to go with manipulation. So, look, no, we've, got an, we've got we've got <laughs> we've got an audience uh, that listens that uh, that has as their day job to convince uh, basically what I have to do with my toddlers. Where I trust me, you you should not have candy for breakfast. That is actually breakfast. You need to eat that. And they basically say, I don't want to, uh, and they and they point at ice cream. And so. That is that is our job. That's what we live with. We we work every day in a field that tries to keep people from uh, doing things that are uh, against uh, against you know we'll call it better judgment, but which they don't really know better. Sometimes they know better, and they still don't care. So mm. I figure I'd get you on this to give us a little bit of uh, well, one a bit of humor. So feel free to be funny because we could use some levity in our day. But uh, <laughs> but you know, and as I know you will be. Uh, but but to really get you on the show and 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 give us some of that how to manip- how to make friends and manipulate people in infosec that's a great i think i'm going to call that the podcast how to make friends and manipulate people in infosec so no i love it. i mean i i think i think the first thing i think of when when we want to change the way others behave or act or think i think the first thing you, we have to realize is that we can only control two things in our lives and it's our thoughts and our actions that's it 
So when we realize those are our limitations, what we have to understand is in order for us to be able to change the way other people act or the way other people think and, and, and do things, we, we, have to, we have to do that by focusing on ourselves. And it sounds strange, but it's literally the only way you have to be able to inspire others or manipulate others to, to change the way they behave. So what, what, I, what I mean by that is you have to improve your ability to communicate. And I think that's the one area that's not talked about enough in leadership in all areas of life. Because I, I remember the, the way I spoke about it, Raf, is that our voices are an instrument. Everyone listening, all of you listening to this podcast right now, you all have an instrument. And the question is, how much time have you spent training that instrument? Because, and this is the example I use, and feel free to jump in, boys, anytime, but it's like, what, you can listen to a song, and then some reason that song makes you feel sad. You listen to another one, makes you feel inspired. You listen to a song during a scary movie, makes you feel really tense, and you feel a lot of suspense. But then none of those soundtracks has any words. Yet you feel those emotions because just hmm. the notes affect the way you feel. Yeah, well, so that's, and, yeah, so I, I get your point. So maybe like this is kind of like where you've, uh, all of us have been to a conference and sat through uh, a really good speaker and a really bad speaker. And generally, yeah. even if the content's the same, if you talk like this and read from your notes and this is all you say because it's very exciting and everybody should listen, people fall I'm asleep. dying. Stop. Like, yeah, right? Horrible. But we've all been yeah. to that. We have all been back <laughs> way more times than we probably like to admit. But then, um, but then you've got somebody that can be dynamic and 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 you know get you in soft voice, loud voice in between, speed up, slow down, <laughs> right? And 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 it's a lot of that. You're right. So we've got this instrument. Um, what are some of the what are some of the interesting ways that I mean besides what I just mentioned? Like how do you how do you get your point across more clearly? How do you train that? Because when you just stand in front of a bunch of people and see if like what you do is inspiring them. No, look, I think that it's like, it's like anything. You, you have to practice with it. Whereas most people every day, they use it, like you said, they lose it. They use just one tone, one volume, one pitch, you know, one rate, and that's all they do. So they keep it the same. So they never actually practice using their voice in a more dynamic way. So one, one way that I think is really effective is everybody's got a phone now that can, they can record themselves with. So you've got to record yourself. And then there's a very specific way you review it. When you review, say you film yourself for five minutes or three minutes, whatever you fancy. And then once you're done, when you review it, the first time you review the video, just watch it and watch your body language. How are you moving? Do you look engaging? Are you moving too slowly? Do you have your hands in your pocket? Are you fidgeting with your fingers? And then you take down a whole bunch of notes because when you're at the conferences that you attend and you see boring speakers, you have made mental notes on what's boring, what's lame, what's not engaging. And then you've seen good speakers. And then you've also made mental notes on what's engaging, what's really, what, 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 what kind of puts you on the edge of your seat. So you've got all these internal references in your mind, but you've never applied those references to yourself. So as you're watching it back and you're looking at the visuals, you're now having an opportunity to be able to take all those things in your head that you've put away and then you apply it to yourself, take down a bunch of notes. The second time you watch it back, don't watch it, just listen to it and listen to how you sound. And there's five things you have to listen for. First is your rate of speech. Do you have one rate or are you doing it really slowly and you're not picking up the pace? Vary the rate. The second thing you've got to vary is the volume. Don't stick to one volume. It gets boring too. The third thing is make sure you change your pitch. We have so many notes we can use in our voice. Make sure you're not sticking to just the one pitch. The fourth one is tonality. Feel the words you're saying. Don't just say it. 
feel it. Every word has a certain way of feeling it. And the last one is make sure you have some pauses as you're speaking. Make sure you have some pauses as you're communicating. And that's the second time you're watching. You're taking all those notes and you can get all of those via auditory. And then the final thing you do, which is a bit more advanced, is that make sure that the way you move and the way you speak is in sync. Most people, if you speak in a different way to the way your body's moving, say you're speaking really quickly, but your, your body is remaining stationary, that because it's not synced, people then don't trust you. Because it's not in sync, that inconsistency causes people not to trust you. And I think a lot of people aren't aware of that as well. So if you just did that 10 times, it changes the way people perceive you, which then changes your vegetables into candy-coated vegetables. Okay, if you figure out how to make candy-coated vegetables, <laughs> I'd like to get the patent on that because I think we yeah. may, we, we, you know we may be on our private island soon. Like, I, I understand what you're all saying is that you all give medicine, right? Yeah. And it's good for people. But this is how you, you've got to make the medicine taste good. And I think that's the key. That's the key. Well, so, okay. But I, I, I personally, uh, this is just, maybe it's just me, but I suspect it's others too. I, I hate listening to myself. I hate watching myself. It makes me cringe. Like, I can't, like, I know how bad I can be sometimes. And I'm just like, oh, I can't do this. I don't want to watch myself. How did you get over that? Because you must have, I mean, I'm sure you practiced this. Did you wa like watching yourself and listening to yourself? Oh, dude, now I love it. Like, it's so good. Like, I'll see myself and I'm like, damn, that was good. <laughs> it's, quite, it's quite sickening, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but but here's, the thing, here's the thing. I started off hating it too. I honestly did. I don't think any human being could enjoy that process. But look at it as that's the price you have to pay to get good. I mean, think about it. A person who plays the saxophone, the, the saxophone for the first time, how awful must they sound? They, they would hate listening to that back. But the thing is, that's the price you have to pay in order to get good. Is that, you know, if there's a saxophone player, the first time they play it, it sounds bloody horrible. But they gradually get to a point where they actually enjoy the music they're playing. They enjoy playing the saxophone because they enjoy the sound it makes. And I think we all have to get there with our voice as well. And it's something I've only realized because of the world of speaking. Like in the world of speaking, it's bloody unreal. Speakers get paid a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah, That's the do. first thing. The second thing is they also get, get this crazy amount of influence because they're standing up on stage and they get this incredible reach as well because they're speaking one to many. And I think because I've been through that industry, I've realized why speakers get paid so much and why they have that much influence. It, and it's because they have the ability to communicate effectively. They have the ability to be able to, to move people when they speak. And, 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 and I'm speaking with this. I know that a lot of people don't have context on who I am and haven't seen my talk, but it's like you could listen to a piece of music and be moved to tears by a song. It's why Hans Zimmer, for example, gets paid so much money to create these beautiful soundtracks. Put on Hans Zimmer and just put on a couple of different emotions, inspiring, orchestral, or, or a sad one, and it immediately impacts your feelings. Oh, absolutely. I've, I've actually done that. If you ever have a really crappy day, put on something zippy by Hans Zimmer and you will feel better. Orchestral yeah. music yes. is fantastic for work. Yeah, it is. But but that's the thing. Like The way we speak can move people. So there's a there's a... There's a whole world of meaning that you're throwing away if you're just telling people what to do or if you're just giving people a set of instructions you might as well give it to me on a pdf and and, and here, this is the 
worst part, you give it to me on PDF, I'm going to ignore it anyway. But if you coat it with great enthusiasm, if you coat it with, you know, I hate to use this metaphor over and over again, but if you, if you make the medicine taste good, people will actually take it. Mm. And, and again, it all starts with you. There's only, you can't control other people. You can't control the way they think. You can't control what they do. The only thing you can control is you and your instrument. So, so, so suddenly and, you sound like Mary Poppins with a spoonful of sugar, huh? Yeah, I, I think that's, I think you should call it that. This is the Mary, yeah, this is the Mary episode. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've actually never watched that, so, but I do realize, isn't she some, some nanny with, a, with an umbrella? Yeah, she's a, she's a magical nanny, uh, and she gets them Gosh. to take their medicine, and she sings this extravagant song about it. But, so, look, uh, so <laughs> I, I, can, I can see that, and I think a lot, of, uh, a lot of those that speak in our industry probably should, this is something we should all do, but I, I, I know the, the challenge becomes, I've been to a lot of talks where I know the content is going to be fantastic. But the talk yeah. ends up losing me and, and, and others in the audience because of the delivery, and that is and that's where it gets really kind of unfortunate. It's like, well, great talk, awful delivery. So, and, and I'm sure you've had that that seen that as well, right? Where you've like, oh, this is an exciting topic. I want to hear about this. Yeah. And, oh my God, I'll just read the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and I've been through many of those, and it's it's it, it's such a shame because they could have influenced you know, 20% of the room, 80% of the room, but instead they, they influence 1% of the room, you know? And I think that's, that's a really big shame. Well, does time, does time ha play a part in that? You know, I mean, you go to a lot of conferences, you know, you see some that have shorter talks for like 20 minutes, some that are 60 minutes. Even as you get better at improving your tones and you're improving all these different pieces of your presentation, I mean, I find it, I don't, I don't care how good you talk at all, uh, you know, 60 minutes of sitting there, I, I'm ready to, you know, drown myself. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, it's hard to stay engaged for that long of a time versus, you know, hey, I'm coming in, I get 20 minutes of info, but then you, of course, you got the argument of, can I get enough information in 20 minutes? Well, I, I think I think the key thing to understand is there's a, diff there's a really big difference between main platform and workshops. I mean, meaning, speaking from the stage, you're not there to educate people on the pragmatics of what they have to do when, when it's a one-to-many situation and it's not a workshop then you're not you're not there to fully give everyone how to do this from a to, to z you're there just to inspire action and then when you've got people in like a 30 um 30 people situation where it's a breakout session then you can spend the next three hours giving people all the instructions so i think length of time is really dependent first of all on what you're trying to achieve right However, if in your context, when you're asking me, oh, should it be shorter? I think if you're not good at delivering, yes, distill the crap out of it, right? <laughs> but if you're good, then you, you have the time. You have the luxury of being able to, like, honestly, it, it's, just, it's just because maybe, you, James, you haven't, you know, if you, if you go to a conference and I, there's a couple of speakers that I've even heard that I absolutely, one of them being Mel Robbins, I could listen to her for two hours. It's funny because when, when, you, when you meet someone who has put a ton of time into their craft, a ton of time into tuning their instrument, once you get in sync with that person, oh, you are hooked. You are in. Right. You know, and, 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 but if, you, if, if, if they're not good at, like, I can't stand five minutes, let alone 20. Yeah, that's a fair point. I, you yeah. know, so I, we've, I think we've, 
I think that's where the challenge of like uh, some of the keynote speakers out there is, is you're there to really get it, you know, get it going, get everybody interested. And if you've got 50 slides and you, and you read off your slides or you've got kind of a, you know, uh, even a well, even a well rehearsed set of prepared remarks, you're still going to be, uh, you're still going to be probably missing it. But, I, but on the flip side of that, I actually watched, uh, and I can't remember the lady anymore, but she was the, um, DA for uh, I think the state of Nevada, uh, and, mm. and have her, she literally read uh, I don't know if, maybe it was bullet points maybe it was the actual speech which she had a like, five uh, pages no. she turned no but no here's the crazy part oh, she good. did it she yeah she did it with inflection like she would Whoa. pause she would you know you could tell that she had prepared remarks but again I don't know if it was sentences or bullet points but she would look down read for like you know talk, 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 look up at us. And, you know, she would say, like, I remember there was a part where she was talking about, uh, you know, the possibility of loss of human life. And, and she kind of just, like, gave that, you know, like that, that like, look out in the audience, pause for a minute, let it sink in, and then continue. And so I could literally tell, I looked over, and I could literally see people, like, scooting to the edge of their seats, like, and she's going to say something. She's going to say something. She's going to say, "Oh, there it is! There it is! Oh, there it is!" Right? So that, it's like the crescendo, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it was the thing. Cool. Well, I mean, what's the one thing that most people value so much? Like, what, what do people mainly value from speakers? They're like, oh, that person seems so passionate. But that passion is portrayed by your rate of speech. That's fair. Intensity is built by the pauses you just mentioned. Yeah. So it's. You have to deliver important information. I get it. But, but also understand one thing. When it's a one-to-many situation, you're speaking one to 200, one to 100, one to 100 plus, for example, your job is, is there to provoke thought and inspire action, not, not give them the list of, let me go through now the next 20 points of what you need to do moving forward. No, it's, it's about provoking thought and getting people to take action because a speech is not the best form or not the best medium to get people to do things. I mean, to, to, to show people exactly what to do. The best way to give people instructions is via a book, is via a PDF. But that yeah. speech should inspire them to then go and take action and go through that. Interesting. So I've, I made two, two kind of com- thoughts to myself while you were talking. So a lot of us, and this is just the way the world works, a lot of us spend a lot of time like this, you know, over web conferences and, and many of them where you've got 60 people on a dial-in line and you're the speaker that's going to be delivering, you know, the that week's, I don't know, memo or you've got a customer meeting and you're going to, you're there to like lead the meeting, right? How, and it's, you know, you, you've got 20 bullet points to, to kind of go through and keep this going. And we all know how bad meetings are, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but well, it's really hard to do kind of some of the things you're talking about. Because even if you're pacing in your office and you're, and you're doing and you're in sync, nobody can see you. Unless you're using video, in which case I hope you're wearing pants. <laughs> oh, man, that's gross. So are you not wearing pants right now? <laughs> <laughs> I am absolutely wearing pants. <laughs> well. I feel like I, I feel obliged to take my pants off now too. But I think just so we could sync our own minds up. But I think, I think the key thing is if, if you want people to be engaged, like there's, there's one thing I can share from the world of speaking because I've kind of spent, I spent the last 15 years um, in, in the world of performance and, and in the world of just, just trying to understand engagement. And I, I think the most important thing is you have, to, you have to humanize the content. You have to humanize you. Because the content that you're, you're delivering, it's, it's, it's not human. 
Um, but I think you have to humanize yourself. And, and the best way to humanize ourselves is not getting straight into it and straight into the content straight away. I think if you spent two minutes to break the ice, three minutes to break the ice with a little bit of humor, with, with a little bit of a story that you want to share with what happened just recently to you. Like, let me, let me give you an example, right? So, so for me as a speaker, I have to do these things called win the deal calls. And it's getting on the phone, talking to a client who's planning to book you. And I kid you not, right? When I first started my career, I needed to build this rapport so bad that I had a, a, a strategy that I use. So just before I got on the phone, just before I knew they were about to pick up, I literally threw nuts in my mouth and started chewing them. And as they said, hi, I was like, oh, hey, sorry. And then I seemed like I'm choking for a second. I'll go, oh, I'm so sorry. I've, I've got nuts in my mouth. And <laughs> boom, they start laughing. I laugh as well. It's planned spontaneity. And <laughs> the phone call gets off to this great report that, oh, he just said he has nuts in his mouth. Everyone's laughing. I'm laughing. And then the ice is broken. And all of a sudden now, people are more opening, open to listen to me. Whereas before, I used to be straight into it. Oh, so we're here, about to, we're here to speak about the event on the 19th of January. And it's just so plastic. It makes me want to die. <laughs> Boy, so, suddenly this began depressing. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but you know what I mean? Like, that's why you, you've got to start with something human. And you've got to start with something that breaks the pattern of that monotonous call that they're already perceiving it to be. Yeah. And you can break that with energy. You can break that with something funny. And don't be afraid. Like, this is what people are afraid of. Like, some people say to me, oh, Vin, like, do you use that? Do you use that nuts in the mouth or everyone? I'm like, look, I use that when I have to. I use the same jokes at times on stage all the time. Find what works and use it because you, you've got a different audience all the time, don't you? Or are you speaking to the same audience all the time? Well, I mean, look, my guess is most of us have a different, you know, the same type of audience, different people. And I know myself included, I've probably given, uh, so last year I gave the same talk, the same talk from the same slides, uh, probably about 15, 20 times across different places in the country, right? So, so good. Well, so the first one, the funny story. So the first one, I was kind of nervous. I was like, all right, practice this. By the time I got to like the you know, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, I don't think I even actually looked at my slides anymore. And it was really, and it really kind of felt natural. The problem is, I, you know, I feel kind of weird for the audiences that had to deal with me up until then, because <laughs> they were my practice audience for the, for the one that was really good, which is probably the last one. Um, let me let me tell you a massive hack that a lot of speakers use, okay? And one of the coolest, and this is dependent on how much you want to invest in your career, but this is really, really powerful. So when I, when I first started, I hired a comedian and it cost me about 600 bucks. Uh, I think the comedian was a, maybe a low grade comedian, <laughs> but I got the comedian to sit through my entire talk and he helped me find all the funny bits in my talk. Oh, that's interesting. Right. Now, now, just imagine, right? I, I get it. It's an investment, but nobody else would be doing this. Imagine you were the most hilarious security person who was able to educate the market on why it's important. And because they're laughing, they're learning better. And because they're laughing, they like you more. So there's rapport, the connection for them to receive the information is wide open. Imagine you did that and it cost you 600 bucks. And every audience you speak to now 
love the crap out of you and are so appreciative of you taking the time to be Mary Poppins and make the medicine taste good. Because can you imagine how much people will, will appreciate that? Something that you've just made... Yeah, no, but I'm serious. Like, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> but that's, but, 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 seriously, like, you have no idea. So the comedian wrote me about 10 pages worth of stuff. Like, wow. seriously, but six pages worth of stuff was really inappropriate and you can't use it. But the <laughs> pages was absolute gold. And all I'm saying is that you could use these stories in so many different areas of your professional life. And all of a sudden now... Again, like what I always say this at conferences is that what is innovation, right? Like you've got to innovate the way you do things. What is it? It's just composition. It's bringing two things together that's never come together before. Maybe this is the bridge where, where or this is the intersection of security and comedy. <laughs> you, I, look, I'm serious. I, I've seen so many people do this. I've even told my accountant. My accountant's done it. Now he is bloody awesome. His clients love him so much more because when they go in, and accounting is a very depressing topic. So yeah. when, when <laughs> people go into his office, they love him now because he's funny. Funny is one of the, mo the highest ranked things that people desire in friends and in their partners. They also desire it in the security people too. So, is it true that um, that if you the audiences that tend to get a, places where you get a laugh, people remember better? Is that is that a fact? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely, because it because it creates an emotional shift. Okay. And that emotional change when you attach a message to that is sticks. It's why you remembered before that lady. She was immediately able to talk about the topic she talked about. She paused which created a shift in your emotional state. And you were like, oh my God, the suspense is killing me. And then you remembered what she said. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. So that's, I, so I think this is going to be, uh, I'll give you guys an example because some of you guys were there. This is info uh, at Sector a bunch of years ago in Toronto. I'm pretty sure that's where it was. And Chris Hoff was giving a talk and he, about five, seven minutes in, he, so he's talking, you know, cloud security, right? It was still new. It was still kind of a big deal and everybody's confused about it. He's talking and talking and talking. All of a sudden, Vin, if you picture this, he's on stage. He's talking, talking, talking. He stops, looks over at, mm. towards the exit, points, says, squirrel. <laughs> looks back at the audience and continues talking. <laughs> like people just sort of look at you like, what, what? what, what just happened? And, and, then, yeah. and they like – Giggled and then they kept and he kept going and he was they were back to engage. I think that so that's something that was actually one of my probably one of the talks I remember of, from the last you know five seven years of doing this is that he, that kind of thing hits. Another, yeah, but but look here's another here's another really um, interesting thought as well is that my 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 theater coach always said to me when you're on stage and this is he said if you want to become world class it's one impact moment per minute. <laughs> and, and, an, wow. and an impact moment is a moment of comedy and a moment of um, you know an aha moment when you go oh wow that's fascinating or change of slide or you could literally go squirrel that's also a impact moment and when you get it down to one impact moment per minute now you become a world class communicator and it's crazy you, like like this whole world of communication there's so much more to it than people think and i think the only reason i've been able to see that world is because i'm i'm deeply involved in the world of speaking but this you can apply to any industry and you immediately become a rock star in that space and and the security space along with the accounting space and many other spaces which tends to be 
a little bit dry. If you bring that to this industry, people will listen. Like cooking is boring until Gordon Ramsay got into it and started swearing his head off. Then it was interesting now. Not everybody watches them berate people. I'm not sure why we enjoy that, but we tend to. <laughs> well, because he makes, the, he, makes, he makes it taste good again. He makes what he's doing good because it's, it's entertaining. So, so I think, yeah, no, sorry, go for it. No, no, but that's, there should be, I'm not saying get angry and then start swearing your head off and, and become the Gordon Ramsay <laughs> of the security world, but, <laughs> but there's, there's an opportunity here. And I think this is the, the, the inspiring part. I hope that those people who are listening right now, there's a huge opportunity for you to become a leader in your space right now, just by making it more engaging just by making your content more humanized and enjoyable to consume. So, Rap, that doesn't mean you can just throw a squirrel out every minute. <laughs> no. You've <laughs> got to change be... the animals, Rap. <laughs> the, animal. the other thing, though, that, well, goes, <laughs> that goes with that is making sure that you have the content and, and the ideas to back it up. And, you know, that's – I feel like we lack that in a lot of places. You know, we got a lot of people willing to talk. Uh, yeah. Not necessarily accurately about certain items. And, that, you know, so you become that influencer because you have that ability to influence. But what happens when you start influencing the wrong way? And I feel like a lot of times people are just, you know, they're willing to rally behind you. It doesn't matter what you say. You know, like, hey, great. Yeah, I'll, I'll repeat that, too. That's perfect. You know, because you're good at, at spreading that word, but people aren't really listening. They're just absorbing so you get around, you know, making sure that it's not only just the ability to communicate that information, but you also have the right information to be communicating. Well, along those lines, I once had, uh, and I'll, I'll simply give you guys the critique of myself because uh, it's probably funnier that way. And uh, I, I, I had, a, I worked for a guy named named Paul. Uh, consequently, another Aussie, um, which which would probably <laughs> make me slightly uncomfortable anyway. But uh, one of the first talks Paul ever saw me give. Uh, it was like a 45 minute, you know, talk in front of an audience, uh, a corporate audience. And I said, Paul, how, what do you think? He goes, that was the greatest 10 minutes of content I've ever seen packed into a 45 minute talk. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I think that's what you would call a backhanded compliment. <laughs> well, look, I, I think you also have to be really careful. I mean, one of the biggest pieces of feedback I got was that if, if you try to please everyone, you please no one. Okay, and that's the first thing. And the second thing you have to realize as well is make sure we are really careful on who we take feedback from as well. Not, not, not saying that this person who gave you feedback wasn't in the position to give you feedback. I'm just saying that I've learned from some of the greatest speakers around the world. And, and one of the most important things, Raf, in your favor is that the talk should be simple. It should not be complicated. Yeah. If, if, if every time you, you, you speak to a client, you're educating a client, you have to do three things. If you can educate, you can inspire, and you can entertain. If you do those three things, you've achieved Steve Jobs status. And mm. Steve Jobs can very easily turn his key, like when he was still alive, he could really distill his keynotes into five minutes if he wanted to. But he drags it out because he doesn't just educate. He also inspires and he entertains. So, Raph, if you were also inspiring and entertaining, you are totally forgiven for taking 45 minutes. But if you were just educating, then, then you should be harmed. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I think, uh, I, I think my, uh, that, was a, that was very early on, and I, I did a lot of learning from there. So I'm probably 
that that was probably exactly the com- the comment you think it was, and it was like, hey, that was really good, but wow, that took way too long to deliver that. Right. You, you know what's nice about that story, though, Raph, is you actually had somebody that was willing to say, yeah, that was a great ten minutes worth of of content. You know, I mean, to, to provide that feedback to you, you know, going back, I mean, I, I feel like a lot of people, you know, it's great that we can video ourselves and we can look back at it and we can see it. We can take these notes on it. But, you know, you take a presentation that, you know, you're giving someplace that's not videoed. You're really heavily reliant on the people that you know, typically, <laughs> in honest. the audience that are going to come up afterwards and, and hopefully be square with you on it. You know, and it, it's always the worst thing. I mean, do you really want to say to somebody like, uh, you know, that was uh, a little boring? On a scale of <laughs> one to ten, that was probably like a negative two. Good job, though. Good visuals. <laughs> You're like, great. I, I made it through five minutes of your 60-minute talk. Uh you know, I really liked your tie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, great shoes, mate. That was great. But yeah, look, but, I mean, a lot of it requires, you know, your circle to be able to be honest with you and and be able to let you know that, hey, let me. This to help. I mean, I, I like it when people give me feedback of, hey, when you're presenting this or that, you know, I mean, you can work on this or you did that. It's like, great. I didn't realize I was doing that. That really helps out, but I don't feel like a lot of people really do that. No one gives feedback. I can tell you that now. I, I mean, as even when I was going through my whole journey of doing like 50, 80, 100 talks a year, the only feedback people give you is, hey, I thought you were speaking a little bit too fast. That's the only form of feedback most people are comfortable to give. First of all, most people aren't comfortable giving you feedback, like you just said before, James, because they're, they're scared they're going to hurt your feelings. So unless, like you're saying, James, unless you create a safe environment for this feedback, you're not going to get it. And the best way to get it as well is by recording yourself and sitting down with someone and going through it five minutes by five minutes. Mm-hmm. That's the most productive way to go to do it because our memories suck as well. Yeah. So the thoughts they had at the beginning of the talk are gone. The only thing they remember is the last 10 minutes fresh in their mind. The rest... They don't remember, unless they were sitting there taking notes on how you can improve. Well, you get done with your your forty five minute presentation, and you're like Frank the Tank, and you're like, "Whoa, what just happened?" <laughs> you know, I mean, it just it, you know it goes by so fast, and yeah, I mean, you don't remember a lot of it going on, you know. And I mean, I'm fortunate enough to, I mean, I have a few people that will provide, you know, like honest feedback. They're not afraid to hurt my feelings. I think they might actually enjoy it, but because yeah, you suck, James. <laughs> I know. See? I mean, and Raph doesn't even sit my presentation. So if that's not even an indicator of, you know, how bad I must be. Yeah. But, you know, having people be able to do that because, you know, it's one thing for me to be able to even go back and look at it and think, oh, you know, that I find that entertaining. I find that interesting. But what do other people find interesting? And I found that when I taught for SANS. The difference between teaching a live class versus teaching uh, a, a virtual class, you know, where in the live class I can cue off of what I mm. see in the audience. I mean, if I'm sitting there talking and I'm five minutes in and everybody's staring at their phones, I can adjust what I'm doing to try to <laughs> try to change that a little bit. Whereas when you're virtual, going back to what you said, Raph, earlier, you know, you're on the the hall like this. I can't see what everybody else, you know, I can't see that everybody else is ignoring me and just staring at their phone. No. But that's, that's why it's even more important for you to be good at what you do because being good at what you do is more applicable online than it is in person. In person, people have to be polite and pay attention. 
Well, they don't have to be. I mean, <laughs> where are you presenting? Come present at <laughs> some of our presenting to, James? My goodness. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, <laughs> you should see more of us. Um, hey, let me ask before, before we run out of time with you. Um, one of, the, one of the things that I'm, I think a lot of us are constantly up against uh, is this concept of uh, delivering, um, let's just call it less than favorable news, right? So you get called mm-hmm. before the board, you get called before the IT audit committee, you get called before, I don't know, whoever. Um, and, and somebody says, right, so um, we hear we've had a problem. Uh, tell us why we're over budget, Finn. And you get to be the guy that says, first, first off, starting off, starting the conversation off with a bunch of uh, peanuts in your mouth probably uh, won't go over well in that room, yeah. right? Of course, of course. But so, so <laughs> they don't how, want yeah. So, so how do you even uh, go about things? If if it's a high pressure situation, then then to me, it's making sure I distilled my message so that I can give a very clear analysis of what's going on, like. There, there are situations where no matter how good you are at communicating, like in, in that position, you've got to make sure you don't overdo the communication skills, but you just deliver the message with clarity. And I think you also have to deliver it with confidence as well. Okay. Because, because if you delivered it over dramatically or you delivered it with too much flair and you didn't distill it and you, you turned a 10-minute reply into a 45-minute thing again, people will get even more pissed off. Fair enough. So in, in those moments, it's, I think it's really about facing it head-on and just going, look, I realize this has happened and let me give you the three-minute rundown of the situation we're currently facing. And then you just give it, give it to them straight. But I also think anywhere there's an opportunity to humanize, you do it. And, and I also get a lot of people, maybe not for this situation, but I get a lot of people in corporate who, who say to me, oh, I can't, I can't humanize because I can't, tell, I, can't tell a, I can't tell a minute story. It's ridiculous. But the ones that do experience the benefit of being able to human, humanize themselves before things like this. Hmm. We're all people, but we will not see each other as people unless you humanize yourself to me. That's pretty good. So to human, humanize yeah. it, that, 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 uh, that, makes, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I, I mean, there are, there are speakers who don't humanize themselves and they, they seem like they're so amazing and they keep talking about me, 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 me. You switch off. You don't listen. Mm-hmm. I, and I know that's a problem in this industry, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no and doubt. The line you have to remember is, and I think, feel free to say this on stage because I say it too. Just by saying to everyone, look, hey, I just want to share with you, over the next 30 minutes we share together, there's nothing amazing about me, but there's something really amazing about what I'm about to share with you. So let's, please don't put me on the pedestal, but let's, let's put these next things I'm about to share with you on the pedestal. And remove it from you straight away. Right. And try to get rid of that ego straight away. Because if you kind of go into it with, with bad, like a poor ability to be able to play your instrument, and God forbid you're, you're boring as well, and you're monotone, and it's horrible. Oh, man. You also should be harmed. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. We don't, we don't wish anybody harm here. And on that note, we're going to go ahead and say goodbye to Vin. Just kidding. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, but what, what I mean is just it's, it's really important to understand. You know the importance of what you're delivering to the audience. You know how important it is for them to do what you say. Yeah. But the only way for them to accept it and listen to it with an open mind and an open heart is if you deliver it in precisely the right way. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, that that's it's it's that precision of delivery. I think that's that's so important. Um, and, and you're right in pointing that out because I think um, it, it really, man. I tell you what, uh, there are again. There's reiterate something I said before. It, there's so many times where the message um, has been yeah. so important, but delivered poorly, you lose. It's either diluted or lost in somebody trying to be overly funny or not having the right delivery or heck even being you know imp- dressed not the right way or their mm. mannerisms right where they're sort of fidgeting with their paper or hands in their pockets staring down or uh, heaven forbid you're in front of an audience of a thousand people reading off of slides that are also projected oh, behind you in a monotone voice for 45 minutes <laughs> and, and you don't want to be that guy in the front row that's going to go you know what screw this I'm out <laughs> yeah, but well, but we all want to <laughs> look. And I think I think one one thing I'll say in closing as well is that people have to buy you before they buy your message, and Ooh. your voice is your personality. And if you want people to buy you and buy your personality, then you better start working on how you sound, because people do judge a book by its cover. Like you said, people will judge you by the way you look and how you dress on stage. And then after that, the moment you open your mouth, people are now solidifying their judgments of who you are. Are you someone who is stuck up? Are you someone who is arrogant? Are you someone who is, is you know, I, you know, my poo doesn't stink kind of person? Or are you someone who is really modest and friendly, funny, outgoing, and super enjoyable to listen to? And, he, uh, and you're literally here because you want to help me get better. And the moment you sound like that person, people now engage. So people have to buy into who you are, your personality, which is yours, how you sound, before they'll buy into your message or buy into your way of thinking. Mm. Well, that, sir, is a fantastic place to end this. Thank you so much for your time. I, this has been an absolute blast, and I, I, I love having you. Uh, I love, wa- I love having you on the show. I love watching you up on stage because, man, you are you're a magician, not just with with you know what you did and, and the tricks and all that. And by the way, you blew everybody's mind, but just your delivery is spot on. Uh, your, you know, uh, everything from uh, the jacket you wore. Uh, to the way you walk back and forth on stage, to the to the way you pointed at people. I mean, all that was fantastically superb. And I wish it had been recorded so I could I could watch it a thousand times and learn a little bit. But um, I appreciate you giving some of these pointers out to our audience. Hey, my pleasure. You should have seen the first time I did it. It was bloody horrible. <laughs> well, uh, you've come a long way, sir. So uh, maybe we'll have you back again. Uh, that'd be fun. Uh, if you get a chance to keynote in the security industry, uh, I, I highly recommend it. We are a fun bunch um, and they could learn a lot from you. So, uh, Thanks one thing: Thanks, uh, how do people find you? Uh, do you have a Twitter account? Yeah, yeah. So if you just look up Ask Vin, or you can find me on Facebook too. I, I, I've got a video production company, so I put out two pieces of content every every week. So. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, cool, man. Well, again, hey James, anything else you want to add? No, man. I'm going to uh, take some time to absorb what we just received. Cool. Cool. Damn it, Raph. Put your pants back on, mate. It's it's really awkward. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh boy. But uh, (laughs) on the internet, nobody can see that you're not wearing pants. And on that note, folks, (laughs) we are going to end this episode. Oh, Vin, thanks for coming on the show. Um, James, awesome having you aboard. And I promised you guys a treat. Hopefully, you got some from this. If you're a speaker or aspiring speaker, or you just want to get the speaker in your group to be a little better, point this, uh, point them at this podcast. Uh, it is free, and I love it when you guys spread it around and uh, give, us, give us comments. Uh, 
Hashtag DTSR on Twitter, and uh, maybe Vin will uh, reply to a couple of you guys if you have questions. Uh, we'd love to we'd love get you engaged. So, all right, thanks for listening. Uh, this is Raf and James signing off for a Down to Secure Rabbit Hole podcast. We will see you on another time, another place, on yet another Down to Secure Rabbit Hole podcast. Ciao, y'all. Bye. As we fade out on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole episode, we'd like to encourage you to chat with our hosts and guests using the Twitter hashtag PoundDTSR. Please check out the show notes, catch up on any episodes you may have missed, and subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. Our website is whiterabbit.net, W-H-1-T-3-R-A-B-B-I-T.net. So on behalf of Rafal, James, for now it's goodbye. We'll see you soon on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole.